Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week, we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. You can also visit YouTube at both CHHA, 1610am, and also at Greg Fenton to see some videos of Mediation Station. Also, you can listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting soundcloud.com and pcrtoronto.org whenever you want. Our topic for discussion tonight is learning more about the Integrated Domestic Violence Court, or IDVC for short, with our visitor, Justice Ellen Murray, and she'll be with us very shortly. So before we get into the topic, I just have uh, and actually introduce that uh, Jenny D'Alessandro Padula is here tonight as the co-host. I just wanted to share a uh, article. It's called Woman Seeks Safety Order Against Husband of 49 Years. It's from the Irish Times, September 11th. Got it through the internet. And so the subheading, judge urges couple to go through mediation process after claim husband slapped wife. A couple who have been married for almost 50 years have been told by a judge that if they go against each other in court, the proceedings could contaminate the next stage of their lives. At the family law court in Enos, the judge was told by the woman that her husband slapped her after breaking plates and verbally abusing her in their kitchen. Your wife contacted the garde and they spoke to you and they asked you to give an undertaking that you would live in peace and you refuse that. On that basis, you're advised that uh, your wife was advised to seek a protection order. So the woman has secured the order, which offers temporary protection, and was seeking a safety order, which can provide a more permanent protection. So asked to comment on the incident and his wife's application, the man replied, I think it is much ado about nothing. Then the judge advised the two to go down to mediation and uh, rather than thrashing it out in the courts. It does seem to be on the eve of your 50th anniversary of marriage. That is not a very appropriate thing to do. And the next stage of life can be compromised and contaminated if the court heard evidence here today. Rather than press that button, there may be wisdom spending time with a court mediator rather than thrashing it out in court. The man said he agreed with the judge, while the lawyer for the woman said that the mediation should take place within the month. I wouldn't like to go beyond that because there are ongoing tensions in the home. That's the lawyer. So the judge said she hoped uh, that the gentleman said he hoped things worked out for the couple and that the protection order remained in place. I would encourage both of you to sit back, realize where you are, realize the difficulties, and if you have to be open to accommodate the other, be prepared to move 55%. I present that because I just thought it was appropriate for tonight in some way. Anyways, Jenny, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's been a couple of months. Yes, it has. We missed you, last month. You staying away from me? <laughs> Not on purpose. No? No. All right. Last month we had um, a great blessing. We baptized my daughter. So unfortunately it happened to happen on that Coincide, weekend. Right. right. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, everything okay? Everything is blessed. We're all well. Yes, all right. thank you. Okay, good. So sitting beside you is our visitor for tonight, is uh, Justice Ellen Murray. And we're going to talk about learning more about the Integrated Domestic Violence Court. So welcome to Mediation Station, Justice Murray. Thank you for inviting me. You're totally welcome. And would you share for the benefit of the listener some information as to your background into going into the legal profession first as a lawyer and then into gravitating to become a judge? Yes. Um, 
before I went to law school, I uh, was in university, but I worked as a community organizer for the Company of Young Canadians. Oh. Found it stimulating, uh, but really I realized it wasn't right up my skill set. I needed something more focused where I had an individual client uh, or an individual group that I was working for where it was easier to measure whether I was doing a good job. Community organizing really required a much uh, broader vision than I had. So anyway, I went to uh, law school and became very interested in um, immigration issues Mm -hmm. and uh, family law issues, particularly women's issues. So I worked as a lawyer primarily in the area of family law, um, some estates. And then after, gosh, after 20 years, I thought, well, now I'd like to take on a different role. So I've been a judge for the past 12 years. And uh, has all your time been at 311 Jarvis Court? No, I was um, at uh, 47 Shepherd uh, Court, also in Toronto, but um, further north for a year. Right. Okay. What is it about law that makes you most curious? On a day-to-day level, it's um, seeing if in this I do family and criminal law. So, on on a day-to-day level with the family law, it's seeing if I can help people get to a resolution. So uh, that that's what interests me a lot. And then other than that, I mean, there are cases where, where I have to decide. I'm not. Right. I'm not just helping people come to an agreement, and if there's an interesting novel legal issue or interesting people, I mean, that that captures my attention. So you mentioned about doing criminal law. So mm-hmm. you do family law, which can be what's called domestic files and also child protection yes. as well. Yeah. And then you also do the criminal side over 311, which is the youth criminal yes. matters. Do you find a different kind of energy in terms of the two different kinds of... Uh, Law? Just, yeah, law. Sure, because criminal law, I'm not an active participant generally. I mean, I'm um, the Crown has to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt, and I'm sitting back there waiting for them to do that. So I might make some legal rulings, but I'm not in there trying to, in general, I'm not in there trying to get them to settle it. I'm, I'm there to decide. Now, integrated domestic violence, which we're going to talk about in a moment, involves... Uh, the court at earlier stages where a judge may participate in trying to help people get to a criminal resolution. And the Integrated Domestic Violence Court, or IDVC, is a special court that is located and functions within the 311 Jarvis Courthouse. So what is the IDVC? It's a court uh, that's based on the principle of one family, one judge. So the people who are eligible for integrated domestic violence are people where they have an a pending and outstanding domestic file, so a file where issues like custody and access and support are at issue. And there's also a criminal charge pending against one of the parties, mm-hmm. uh, a summary conviction criminal charge. So not the most serious, but serious enough, assault, assault, bodily harm, assault with a weapon, threatening, criminal harassment. So the those families and it, this is just for Toronto and also just for criminal cases at this point coming out of the College Park and Old City Hall courts. So folks uh, who are eligible um, for that service, in fact, it's mandatory that they participate and um, they go to the IDVC. I'll take it one step farther. The 
couple of distinctive things about IDVC. One is, as I said, it's one judge, one family. So I, for example, will handle all the pretrial work on the family case and on the criminal case right up to trial, if in fact there's got to be a trial. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also schedule things so that the criminal and the family uh, cases are heard on the same day. Okay. So parties aren't having to go to two or three different courts, two or three different days, dealing with constantly changing judges each time. And how long has this, uh, how long has IDVC um, been available for use? 2011 was the start. Okay. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Technically a pilot? Technically a pilot, longest pilot in history. <laughs> um, but we we sit, uh, myself and another judge, Justice Stephen Clark, um, sit in the court each one day a month. We, we are able to uh, arrange things so that, for example, if I have a case that needs to be at a trial, Justice Clark does that trial and vice versa. Okay. So it's held twice a month, alternating amongst the judges usually. Yes. Uh, the two times a month so that there's a balance provided for each of you because you also have the other work that you do sure. in terms of your dockets. And we have um, specially trained crowns uh, who have training in domestic violence. We have family support workers who are support persons for both the complainants and the defendants in the criminal case. And there are victim witness um, workers too. So part part of the point of um, IDVC is to very early on try and connect people with the services they need. I think it's important too to to help uh, explain why IDVC is integral to from the traditional model because in family, criminal, civil, those systems are like silos. They don't communicate with each other. They don't talk. So in essence, if there was a criminal charge amongst a, a family and you know usually there's what's called no contact orders so that can really you know when there's a charge there's a victim somebody's been harmed in some way and so when there's a no contact it can re-victimize in, in more ways because someone's usually financially dependent maybe and so if the breadwinner is not able to contact or communicate with the other family member so that re-victimizes them even more one person one judge traditional model separate no communication here one judge both systems communicating well you've put your finger on one of the benefits of idvc i as you said um typical kind of uh, bail order in a criminal case where there's a charge involving domestic violence is um no contact or maybe no contact uh except um for access arranged through a third party, but it's sort of vague. What IDVC allows us to do is to impose an access order and fine-tune a bail order so that it takes into account the protection of the complainant, keeps safety uh, at a premium, but also early on allows for contact between the defendant and his or her children because uh, on the... The system you described, weeks and weeks, months and months can go by where the person who's uh, the defendant can't get his bail order changed to allow him 
any kind of access, even if the family court was willing to grant it. So in IDBC, I can deal with that all in one day. That's that's certainly one benefit. Can you sort of explain as well the IDVC function? If one was to show up on that day, that court scheduled, what happens? Typically, I hear, uh, and this is all pre-trial, so I hear uh, the family, uh, the criminal uh, case first, but we're all sitting in the same room. So the family lawyers are sitting there listening to this. And um, I might do a, what's called a judicial pre-trial, where um, I look at what evidence the Crown would present in the case and give an opinion as to whether there's a reasonable prospect that they'll succeed or not. So that can be very influential in terms of pushing folks ahead to resolution. For example, if the Crown has a strong case, then when I turn to the family side uh, and I'm looking at what's appropriate in terms of access, should I allow any contact between the parties, even electronic, if I if it's clear it's not just a he said, she said case. If, for example, I know that the officer who investigated saw mom with uh, bruises and t- a torn blouse when uh, he attended that night, then we get past that argument and, and we focus on what needs to be done for everyone to move ahead and what's appropriate in terms of contact now. So on the day of court... In family, people would, would either hire their own lawyer or come self-represented. Yes, or yeah, and they they can hire their own lawyer if they don't have um, uh, sufficient funds through a legal aid certificate. And there's a duty counsel there in the event of they want to have access to some advice. So. Yes, uh, even if you don't haven't hired your own lawyer, duty counsel is available, assuming that you're eligible financially. And then on the criminal part. It's the state that represents the interest of, you know, the the charge. Yeah, the crown attorney the crown is attorney, there. Right? Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, the uh, defendant, the accused, is going to uh, can have their own lawyer, either privately retained or through legal aid, or there is duty counsel available. So there's criminal duty counsel and family duty counsel. Yes. yes. On the day, so there's a lot of resources available. On, that help for more options, hopefully, Yes. on the day. Yes. We're finding that uh, really the large majority of our cases are resolved before trial, both on the family side and the criminal side. It's, you know, it feels like a, a little more holistic approach in some way. Certainly that's what it was designed to be, um, something where uh, certainly the judge but also the lawyers involved can see both both sides of the case. Um, one of the things that happens is because you've got one judge, one family, is in terms of compliance with bail conditions, there's good, there's good compliance because the accused uh, knows that he or she is going to see me every mm-hmm. time they come to court. It's not going to be a different judge every time. Right. Yeah. So I don't have to start over and tell my, my story, and there's no sense. You're already aware. I mean, awareness helps to be better informed, and the next time you... you connect on a different level than if you have to start from scratch. Yes. And um, as I said, we're able to steer people, recommend and make referrals to appropriate resources. So one of the things I think it's important for both parents uh, to hear is the really devastating long-term effects that exposure to domestic violence can have on children both in terms of their emotional development and their cognitive development. So it's motivating for 
um, both the perpetrator, if the a person is a perpetrator, and the victim to hear that and uh, see that they have to move ahead if they, they're going to focus on their kids. So, you know, a lot of reality checking here yeah. taking place. This is hitting home Why? for me because Why? Um, I'm a child of a product of this situation because my family had domestic violence happen to us when what happened to me when I was little. So I'm listening to this now when I wish that something like this was available back then and all these resources available for my family. Um, so I'm very happy that we're having this show and our listeners have the opportunity of listening to this. So thank you for coming and joining our show today. I'm enjoying it. Thank you for asking me. One question that I did have before I go to the next uh, as when something happens and there is a matter that takes place, a situation that takes place that um, of violence, does it automatically go to the IDVC? Well, only if you fall within those parameters I talked about before. Mm-hmm. So it's actually fairly narrow at this point. You have to have a case in one of the two Toronto family courts. Okay. So, and that's p- provincial court, not superior court. So if, if you're fighting about a divorce, you mm-hmm. won't be in our court. If you're fighting about property, you won't be in our court. It's custody, access, child support, spousal support, civil restraining orders. And uh, the charge has to be, the, the criminal charge has to be um, coming out of either Old City Hall or College Park. Okay. So that's basically downtown Toronto. You may live uh, somewhere else in Toronto, but in terms of where the charge was laid and where it's it's initially um, being tried, those two courts. And it has to be summary conviction. So, for example, if it was attempt murder, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get it. It has to be assault, assault bodily harm, assault with a weapon, that sort of thing. Uh, and the last limitation is, is it has to be a domestic case. It can't be a child protection case. Right. So this is sort of uh, is unfortunate because some of the more serious cases where domestic violence is an issue become protection cases. So yes, but right now we haven't expanded to that. So let's talk about what matters um, does IDVC deal with in terms of criminal law and family law. Well, really just what I was talking mm-hmm. about um, in terms of uh, helping people either reach an agreement around um, custody, which which basically means who meet, how are major decisions for a child made, and uh, scheduling for the child, residential okay. scheduling. And we also deal with uh, financial support for uh, children and for parents. So typically a case might be in our system for 10 to 12 months. I'm actually not in a hurry to get to get rid of it, to process it, because mm-hmm. if domestic violence is an issue, I want to see the parties taking some steps yes. uh, that are needed to change. Like a dad, for example, might be in a program, um, partner assault response oh, yeah. program, yeah. which is a, a 12-week program that uh, focuses on uh, teaching, and these can be men or women, teaching... Uh, perpetrators of uh, domestic violence about things that they need to know to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. So things like um, they talk about male entitlement, for example, like assume dads assuming that they are uh, they have certain uh, rights just because they're males. Um, they talk about um, 
not anger management per se, because domestic violence normally isn't an anger management problem. It's a power and control problem. So um, PARS will deal with that uh, for uh, moms and sometimes dads who are victims of domestic violence uh, will will refer them to programs for folks in that position because they have to learn, for example, to recognize um, what's going on in their family, extricate themselves from that, learn a new way of communicating with their their partner or former partner. And for the children, we'll get them off to counseling for young people who have been exposed to domestic violence. Exposure covers lots of things. It's not just seeing it. I mean, kids will know if it's going on. They may hear it. They may see the the fallout. Mm -hmm. I just want to add, too, that when you talk that the court, IDVC, for example, can be longer-term engaged and provide even better support somewhat than, quote, the traditional court. I mean, with domestic violence, some people may assume that as soon as there's a charge, the relationship is over and it's ending and it's going to go separate. Many times, some of these steps that are looking to be done to help support people separately so is that they can re-engage in a safer, different way than happened at the point when the charge happened. You know, that that certainly happens, although we don't see a lot of those people in the sense of mm-hmm. uh, see people who reconcile. But what we do see is um, people who are going to have to continue to be parents for another 10, 15 years. So even if they're not living together, mm-hmm. even if they may be repartnering, they've got to um, figure out a better way to relate to each other. Yeah, they, they have to cons- – maybe their intimate relationship is they have a lifelong co-parenting relationship of some form, especially if the children are very young. So until they sure. reach the age of majority and somewhat, and they can be more independent, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about what is the benefit for the parties in having the matters of criminal law and family law heard through the IDVC? And I know you've spoken yeah. a bit. Some yes. of them. So I, I touched on a couple of things. One is having um, a, a more integrated uh, approach to bail and access orders um, so that risk can be kept in mind, but parents, uh, even parents who charged with criminal offenses, can have contact with their children. And it can change as time goes on. So risk level might be very high at the beginning. Uh, I may say uh, I may have a no contact order uh, and access will have to take place at a supervised access center. But then as time goes on and people get help and they change, I can I can change that, which on the on the separate silo system, much harder to do. Better oversight uh, of the accused is Another benefit. Another benefit is just, it sounds simple, but it's very important for people involved in having to go to court. If you only have to go to court one day to deal with both your family and criminal cases, means less time off work. It means less time that you need for babysitters, all that sort of thing. And I think the last benefit is that it really gives people a bit of time uh, in which there's uh, – Safety is prioritized, but they can work together over that time to create a new uh, parenting plan that's going to work for them where uh, the complainant parent can be safe, but 
the child can still have a relationship with both her parents. So you can start with um, a situation like the one I described before where initially it's no contact, but as change happens and takes place at the end, uh, you'll find that uh, the child has lots of time with both parents. And secondly, um, there can be a satisfactory resolution of the um, criminal charge. So in some cases, for example, if the accused has really done good work and has demonstrated he's learned something um, over that 10 or 12 months, the Crown may withdraw or the, so that uh, there there is no criminal conviction or the Crown may uh, invite the, after talking to the complainant, invite the accused person to enter into a peace bond, which is um, a promise to obey certain rules, but it does not mean a criminal conviction. So those are possible resolutions. In terms of the nature of people when they start, have you seen when they commence with you, come into the court in IDVC, and then by uh, over a period of a few months, do you have a sense of connecting some change of mindset from people? Sure. Yes, I mean, the, the best cases, uh, I do. Um, and I'm not saying, I mean, people aren't, I'm not Pollyannish about this. People don't uh, necessarily say, oh, I was completely wrong and now mm-hmm. I've, I've bought this, uh, a new way of thinking. But I, I think people are open to change when they see what can happen to their children or maybe what was starting to happen to their children. Uh, because of exposure to this conflict. That's a big motivator. And it's frankly also a motivator if you can, if you're an accused and you can get, um, a resolution that uh, is lesser than you might, uh, lesser penalty than you might ordinarily get. That, that's a motivator. One of the things, um, we have a, a research, a um, professor who's done research on the IDBC and she found a couple of interesting things about IDVC cases compared to non-IDVC cases. So parallel types of cases, but still in the separate silos. Right. Um, much better payment of child support, which surprised me. Much better compliance with child support orders and more, more time that the children, uh, children would have more time, scheduled time with both parents. So, um, the, and often it's the dad. The dad who was accused of a criminal offense will enjoy very substantial time with the child at the end of the case. So it doesn't have to um, marginalize that relationship, parent-child. Right. I mean, you hope, and the court looks at it, especially from family, best interests of the child, which ideally is to have both parents actively involved on an ongoing basis. So of course, there's certain times, such as when there's domestic charges, that that has to be uh, adjusted in order to ensure the safety of all parties. And so, you know, I totally understand how this can continue as a, a pilot and not become sort of part of the system officially and formally. Well, um you know, that's a, a big picture question that I, mm-hmm. I don't have a decision about. It will be the Office of the Chief Justice and the, um, the Chief Crown for Toronto and those sorts of folks. I think all I'd say is those of us who actually work in the court, 
are are enthusiastic about the work it does. We we feel we're making a difference. We would like to expand it. On, on a practical level, though, you talk about when uh, there's a domestic charge criminal through the particular court, the two courts, Old City Hall, College Park, and then family that goes through the uh, 47 Shepherd East and 311 Jarvis. Though at the point that there's a charge criminal and family, people go to separate physical locations. How is the connection provided for to insert? How is the case identified? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's difficult and it's not perfect. So it may be that the Crown Attorney at Old City Hall or College Parks hears Here's oh there's a domestic case ongoing and or she may he or she may ask they they can feed it into the system the judge at one of our courts may hear there's uh, criminal charges and we when we talk to the folks we may find that the criminal charges are either from Old City Hall or College Park sometimes police officers or lawyers uh, themselves will uh, say hey I think this case is eligible. Um, so if, for example, um, a lawyer or one of the parties uh, uh, thinks that their case may be eligible, they should either talk to one of the first appearance clerks or um, one of the group leaders, we call them, mm-hmm. at either 47 Shepherd or 311 Jarvis, right. um, or uh, talk to the Crown Attorney who's uh, involved in the case on the criminal side. So many people of the public, and that's one of tonight's purposes too, is to help educate and inform people about things that they're not aware of. People don't know of the existence of programs like this. And then even in the system itself, what could help the system to better sort of say, okay, so if someone shows up with an application for family at 311, and the court staff, they're not aware this is a criminal charge, but there might be involving the same two adults. Is there something that the system can do in identifying earlier to help, you know, bridge the two? There's certainly in terms of training, for example, for intake clerks, I guess there, and and I think some of this is being done, so it could be improved, but um, I think you know that there's an affidavit that you have to file when you're claiming Custody or access yeah, to the thirty-five point one. Yeah, and right. one of the questions is, are you facing criminal charges, and what are they? So, if the clerk picks up on that, then he or she can stream the case into IDVC. Yeah, and it's not to be critical. It's just a lot of that slips under the radar. It is there might be a charge or a reference to some kind of uh, child protection as well. To the thirty-five point one talks about that too. Yeah. So. It's like having the training to be picking up on these, so be aware and then say, what do I do with that information now? How can I better serve or assist the clients, the parties? And I know this program in the courts, and it would be so much more productive for the parties to be gravitating through that kind of, you know, program. Um, Yes, and I... I'm hopeful that um, the clerks do get this training, but they have a lot to deal with, so Mm -hmm. reemphasizing it would be good. I mean, another, sometimes, uh, if you have a case where the accused immediately pleads guilty the very first time he's in court, so the very first time he's in College Park or Old City Hall, 
that isn't going to get to IDBC. No, because yeah. it's obviously addressed it's the issue, though there might be then subsequent a family matter that needs to come up and be addressed and worked out in some way. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to get those cases, but it they we, we don't sit often enough, and the system isn't set up yet to do that. But I I mean, the the very same problems we're talking about can be can exist if there's like a really early guilty plea and there's probation conditions that um, make contact between the uh, the two the adults. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the uh, the, the parent and the, the, child. And the child. Yeah. Yeah. So that limits things. How do you see your role as a judge contributing to the IDVC and its function? I think one of our my most important roles, as well as Justice Clark, is helping people reach a resolutions of uh, of their custody access and uh, financial support cases. So, and at the same time, managing uh, the pretrial stage of the criminal charge to keep everybody safe while while that's happening, and to even from the accused point of view, to uh, make sure that there's not a instance where new charges are likely to um, arise. So I, I think it's important, for example, for both parties when they're in, we call them case conferences, where it's a off-the-record talk where we're trying to reach a resolution. It's important for them to see and hear that I'm uh, fair to both of them. I don't, for example, assume right off the bat that uh, the person who's uh, the accused is guilty. Um, I have to show them that I'm weighing the evidence on both sides. I think it's important for them to see me as wanting to know both their views, but also having certain expectations and standards that I communicate to them um, they should keep in mind, such as... um, Keeping their resolution child-centered. It's not. It's not about ultimately uh, finding which of them is a better person or uh, which who's lying and who's telling the truth. I. What I'm trying to do is get them to a point where they can work out something where uh, their child is well taken care of and safe. Yes. Yeah. So how how have you been affected in, in any way? Huh? How do you manage yourself as a judge and ideally as a human in terms of the many profound and sometimes abusive situations that you are presented before you in IDVC? Talking to my colleagues um, in, in terms of um, getting support is important. Reading so that I can understand uh, and uh, really anticipate some of what possible results are, uh, what I might see. It can be, I won't say that I'm not frustrated sometimes when I see situations where I haven't been uh, effective, where I can see that uh, there is likely to be some sort of violence that will affect the children uh, in this family in the future. And uh, the most I can do there is uh, give each party, and particularly in, in those cases the complainant, uh, information about where she can go in the future if um, if she's in danger again. Do you see yourself looking at things differently in IDVC at this point from when you first started with IDVC, which was, what, two, three years? Uh, three years ago now. 
yes, in the sense that um, I'm much more conscious of the effect that it can have on the Crown attorneys um, and the lawyers, but particularly the Crown attorneys seeing the whole, uh, both aspects of the case. So, for example, I've had Crown attorneys um, say to me that when they can see a parent who's an accused um, doing well on the family side, and by doing well I mean there there aren't, um, the, the Crown is hearing there haven't been instances where, of harassment, there haven't been uh, new instances of threats where the accused as a parent is regularly seeing the children, not trying to involve the children in the in the parental dispute by bad-mouthing the other parent. Those things affect uh, crowns in, in a, a very legitimate way. They can see a, a crown may come to the view that it's unlikely that um, this uh, accused parent is going to be a significant threat to the other parent in the future and, and may be uh, then willing to ask for... Um, a less punitive, a less strict resolution. Mm-hmm. And what would you like for the listener and the public to best know about the IDVC? Well, um, I'd like them just to know that it exists, and it's. I, I know that uh, the, the parameters I laid out are a bit complicated, but if they, they or a relative or a friend is in a situation that they think might be eligible for the IDBC to make some inquiries about it, either by talking to the information referral coordinator at their family court, Mm -hmm. that's a good start, um, or the Crown Attorney or the police officer involved in the criminal charge. And and just to ask in passing, are these kinds of cases ones that you would ever refer for mediation. And it might call for my two favorite words only because I use them <laughs> often. It depends, yeah. but mostly... Well, it depends. You know, I would uh-huh. say, at one level, I would say unlikely because right. um, yep. I'm not... I would have to know a lot about the mediator and their training and their approach mm-hmm. um, because I, it can be uh, a disaster for a family where domestic violence is an issue just to... Um, get a quick agreement to reach an agreement. Um, and uh, what I'd say on top of that is it's not with a, a case where domestic violence is uh, of a particular kind is an issue. It's not just about learning to communicate better. It's about changing paradigms. So when I say particular kind, I won't give the long the long lecture, but coercive controlling violence is what really concerns us, not... There are other types of violence that are situation-based, just arising at separation. That That isn't so much of an issue for us. Right. I, I respect that this, mm-hmm. it's a very complicated thing, yeah. too. And in the old school, though, domestic violence, when you heard that, and mediation, they just forget it. Though, you know, over time, it's uh, there's ways of adapting the process to accommodate for people, and especially knowing that the mediators have the specialized training. Yes, I, so there are some cases where I would, and taking a step back, in fact, what what I'm doing in IDVC is, in fact... A, a form of that as well. A, yeah, I'm I'm helping people yeah. reach an agreement, so... Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to close out very soon. What suggestions can you provide for people as to how they deal with matters in their relationship that may be heading down the path of abuse? Oh, well, the... 
this sounds like a very simple answer, but get get the help you need. So if 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 for example you are a parent and you recognize that you are a perpetrator of violence, and there can be different types of violence. So I'm not just talking about usually physical violence is accompanied by all kinds of controlling and isolating behavior. So there there are uh, there's help for you, um, both from Family Services Association. Mindful Fathering, which is a Yorktown community uh, program. Um, Children's Aid Society, Caring Dads program is great. And then for the, the person who's the victim, ma- many, many uh, avenues of help. Education, wife assault is a, a good place to start. Right. Okay, okay so we, uh, we both, Jenny and I both want to thank you very much for coming out and visiting with us and helping educate us and informing us about Integrated Domestic Violence Corps. Well, I, I've enjoyed the evening. Thank you very much for inviting me. Okay. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA, 1610 AM, Voces Latinas, the first community and ethnic license station in Canada.